The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Friday, March 24th in Hong Kong, Thursday, March 23rd in New York. And coming up today, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says regulators would be prepared for further steps to protect bank deposits if warranted. Credit Suisse and UBS are said to be among the banks under scrutiny in a probe by the DOJ. And the payments company Block says it will explore legal action against short seller Hindenburg Research. TikTok CEO faces an extremely contentious House committee. He says operations will come from within the U.S. China, meanwhile, says it will have to approve any attempt to sell while denying direct control. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen tried to soothe U.S. lawmaker concerns about whether American bank deposits are safe. Here's Yellen speaking before a U.S. House subcommittee. The strong actions we've taken ensure that Americans' deposits are safe. Certainly, we would be prepared to take additional actions if warranted. On Wednesday, bank stocks tumbled after Yellen said that Treasury officials had neither considered nor examined the possibility of expanding federal insurance temporarily to all U.S. bank deposits. She said that such a move would require congressional approval. Well, we are told that both Credit Suisse and UBS are among the banks under scrutiny now in a probe by the U.S. Department of Justice. That story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Those sources say investigators are looking into whether financial professionals helped Russian oligarchs evade sanctions. The sources say the Swiss banks were included in a recent wave of subpoenas sent out by the government. The information requests were sent before the crisis that engulfed Credit Suisse and resulted in UBS's proposed takeover of its rival. According to one of the sources, the Justice Department inquiries are focused on identifying which bank employees dealt with sanctioned clients and how those clients were vetted over the past several years. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, the payment company Block said it will explore legal action against Hindenburg Research after a damning report. It comes after the short seller issued a report following a two-year investigation into Block. The report alleged that Block facilitated scammers taking advantage of government stimulus programs back during the pandemic. Block called Hindenburg's claims inaccurate and misleading. More from Bloomberg's Jenny Serene. 
I think any implication that criminal actors are using Block's Cash App to facilitate their transactions is really bad news. I think that's when you get regulators looking at you. They could impose different kinds of penalties, whether that's monetary or you know different remediation activities. So that's something that investors will really key in on and, and want to see further proof of. Block shares slid as much as 22% after the news today, closing down 15%, the company's biggest intraday decline in three years. Well, U.S. prosecutors have charged the co-founder of Terraform Labs, Do Kwan, with fraud after he was detained earlier in Montenegro. We have that story from Bloomberg's David Inglis. Kwan was caught while trying to fly to Dubai, allegedly using falsified Costa Rican travel documents. His whereabouts have been the source of constant speculation since September. Kwan was earlier accused of fraud by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The entrepreneur presided over a $40 billion cryptocurrency implosion last year. The Terra USD stablecoin he helped create and its sister token Luna suddenly cratered. South Korea also issued a warrant for his arrest. The country stripped him of his passport and said he's the subject of an Interpol red notice. In Hong Kong, I'm David Inglis, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The Bank of England raised its benchmark lending rate, as expected by a quarter percentage point, to four and a quarter percent. The central bank brushed aside concerns about the banking system after the rescue of two major institutions abroad. It suggests that policymakers see inflation as the main priority. And BOE Governor Andrew Bailey signaled that further rate hikes may be required. We've seen signs of inflation really peaking now, but of course it's far too high. Now, we think it's going to come down sharply, really from the early summer onwards, but we haven't seen that happen yet. We had some news this week which was unfortunately going a bit the other way. We think there's probably some one-off elements of that, but we need to see it starting to come down progressively and get back to target. The Bank of England is predicting that the UK will avoid the recession it had predicted uh, earlier this year, and the central bank upgraded its growth outlook over the coming months. However, the BOA did not comment on its forecast for the second half of the year. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. Paul Allen will join us in a short while. So, Doug, the S&P 500 is flat over the past month. So here are some of the numbers I promise you. The Russell 2000, an index of, of smaller sized companies, down 10% in a month. Microsoft up 9% in a month. So that's a a 19 percentage point swing. The KBW Bank Index is down 28% in a month. Google or Alphabet is up 16%. That's a 44 percentage point swing. Now these trends, I would suggest to you, um, would would seem to be a little stretched. And the read through from that is probably that the benchmarks will need to to fall from here. But I think you have to put your finger on the banks. I mean, the weakness that you cited in the Russell has to do with the high concentration of uh, small and medium-sized lenders. And I think it's fair to say that these stocks have been just under enormous pressure right now. And this is one of the things I think that Janet Yellen is trying to address to solidify that customer base so that those folks aren't inclined to to continue to move assets from those perceived weaker institutions to stronger ones, right? And this is the thing that is, uh, I think, troubling the market right now, particularly when you consider a situation like First Republic. Really, that problem has not been solved yet. I mentioned that the KBW Bank Index was down 28% in a month, and that's not even the regional index. But think about it. You have four, four forms of tightening at the moment. The new rate hikes, and the Fed said they may not be done yet. 
QT, the long and variable lag of the previous hikes, and then the banks cutting lending. Now, we can argue that we are probably close to the end of the new rate hikes, but we're probably only at the beginning of the banks tightening. And then on top of that, how has this impacted sentiment, not just on the part of consumers, but businesses as well? That's probably going to contribute to a little bit of contraction, I would imagine, assuming that a sentiment begins to decline or is declining already. And we'll see whether these implicit deposit guarantees are enough. Uh, They're not explicit, uh, but I think that many people do realize that uh, the authorities are prepared to step in if there is, is a run coming at a particular bank. Anyway, lots more to talk about. We'll get to our guests in a few moments, but now it's time for global news. TikTok CEO Sho Chu ran into a pretty hostile group of lawmakers in the House Energy and Commerce Committee today. Ed Baxter is tracking that. He has global news from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, boy, you talk about a tough crowd, Brian. Uh, the tone set by Representative Kathy Rogers. TikTok is a weapon by the Chinese Communist Party to spy on you, manipulate what you see, and exploit for future generations. Now, one of the allegations is that China demands removal of some content. The massacre in Tiananmen Square. That kind of content is available on our platform. You can go and search it. I will remind you that making false or misleading statements to Congress is a federal crime. I understand. Uh, Again, you can go on our platform, you you will find that content. So Sho says assurances should calm some fears. In order to assure everybody here and all our users, our commitment is to move the data into the United States to be stored on American soil by an American company, overseen by American personnel. But Bloomberg's Alex Barenka says this is the most contentious and hostile hearing she's heard in a long time. And there was another exchange with Arizona Republican Debbie Lesko that I think was really illustrative. She laid out that other countries like India have banned the app. The FBI has voiced its concerns about the app and asked you why then do all of these folks have concerns if you're sitting here in front of us today saying nothing's wrong. He came back and said, look, those concerns are hypothetical. They are theoretical. That kind of gap has been kind of the theme all day where Chu feels like he's not getting enough substance to combat with the facts that he loves to bring to the table. And the lawmakers, meanwhile, are just not believing anything he said, leading to kind of a really contentious back and forth at the hearing today. So even Democrats, Ro Khanna, for example, saying the only solution is a sale. Senator Marco Rubio coming out saying two options are sale or Commerce Department regulation. Now, China has issued a statement saying that it would firmly oppose any sale of TikTok forced by Washington, saying it would undermine confidence in all commerce globally. Bloomberg's Dan Flatley says that really dented any argument by show of any separation. You know, that's been a very big concern of you know, concluding this national security review that TikTok has been working on with the with the U.S. government is whether China would have any say in how that would be concluded. And it also kind of cuts against his arguments that TikTok will not share data with China because if they have to approve the sale of this business, then, you know, they are obviously uh, involved yeah, in the operations. Uh, right. But Henrietta Trey's uh, Veda Partners on Bloomberg says it's about more than just TikTok today. It's a more holistic approach to social media because we're talking about domestic problems from mental health to, you know, national security issues, and it's not unique to just TikTok. So what they're looking at in legislation that I think could actually pass is more akin to passing the buck 
up onto the Department of Commerce to have it regulate TikTok in all social media apps. Yeah, she says regulation as opposed to sale here. But very interesting, by the way, political tightrope for Democrats as a younger demographic group is more heavily TikTokers, if you will, and the fear would be they could just sit out 2024. This is just the beginning. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Paul Allen joins us now in Sydney. And our guest is Joanna Gallegos, co-founder of Bond Blocks uh, on her market outlook. Well, let's start off with that gap that I mentioned. You got bank stocks going down a couple of percent every day and you've got Microsoft going up two percent every day. That can't continue, can it? Yeah, it's hard to make calls right now. I mean, it's been hard all quarter to understand where the markets were going to be going. And some of that recovery in technology um, may be reflective of the actions that those firms are taking to manage costs and think about um, what's coming up in 2023. But what we think about for 2023 is bonds, obviously. We're an asset manager that focuses solely on fixed income. And we think there's a lot that we can lean into right now because yields have changed so dramatically in 2023. It helps investors really take advantage of the power of that carry in their portfolio and and actually do something in the total return space of their portfolio, which just isn't straightforward in equities um, right now from where we sit. Is it particularly straightforward in bonds, though, either? I mean, you say it's a place to hide out from volatility, but take a look at the two-year. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were above five. Now we're at 3.83. The whipsawing seems to be happening in, across asset classes. For sure, there was volatility this month in the two-year. Um, but think about this. Uh, sh- very simple trade. You know, if you're in the short, shortest part of the curve, it may be a great place to wait out and figure out what you're going to do next because you're getting paid, you know, upwards of four and a half percent for at least being invested. And I think that's the action that we want to see investors take is consider that. We also well, would maybe recharacterize looking at credit because of some of the fundamentals that look pretty strong across credit. Not only what you mentioned, but the capital appreciation is there too. That movement that Paul uh, uh, brought to us, uh, basically the bond is going up, so the yield is falling a lot. If you think that that's the trend that, that will hold uh, in that recession could be coming and bonds will go up and the yields will go down, you're not only getting the hefty yield that you bought, but you're getting the capital appreciation too. Yeah, I think what you're referencing is somewhere in between the two-year and the three-year, just this this month, year to date, sorry, month to date, that ranges from being up two to three percent in a month on the price return plus the yield. So bonds really need to be part of your consideration for 2023. Really need they're they're very powerful in your portfolio in a way that they haven't been for over a decade and and longer. And you know it's you hear people say bonds are back, but we want to see investors really consider taking action in their portfolio with them. 
Yeah, we've also got uh, traders effectively pricing in cuts from the Fed by year end. Do you feel that's a realistic scenario? So the market's pricing that in. The Fed definitely didn't say that yesterday. They didn't indicate that there'd be any rate cuts in 2023. But if you do want to, again, lean into the end of the rate hiking cycle and possibly the softening of the economy or downturn in the economy, you might consider adding more duration in your portfolio, taking on uh, repositioning your portfolio to go longer out on the curve, just even in treasuries with you know no credit risk. Um, but we are seeing some activity in our products that are, even just this week we saw, you know, a little bit taking step outs in the two, three years, also the five and seven year traded for us. And so we think that people, if you do take that view and the market does have that view that rates may be going down by the end of the year, um, you can step into that in a way I think is really smart using treasury products. Well, you have four forms of tightening that I mentioned earlier. I just run through them quickly again and get your response to the last one, because that's the only one that's kind of controversial. New rate hikes, QT, the long and variable lag of the previous rate hikes, those are all working to suppress the economy and bring down inflation. The last one, the fourth one, would be the banks cutting lending and the tightening that mm. that provides. Um, and if, even if you think that the new, the new rate hikes are almost at the end of their run, uh, the banks are only just getting started with this now. How pervasive would this be? Yeah, I think it's complementary. Um, it's not a great thing to talk about when you're thinking about tightening um, liquidity or lending standards at the banks, because that does affect companies and, and starts to really put um, a little bit of pressure um, on, on the economy. But at the same time, it just it would help the other inflationary fight that's going on that the Fed's wa uh, waging. And so it would be complementary. And you know, if we have to get the only way forward is through, that may be inevitable and that may be a side effect of this um, financial stability is issue in, in, in place we're in today that you know could help us get through this. Um, but hopefully it will be you know as, as soft landing as, as we would hope it would be. But that is what the market expects. The market expects some kind of downturn right now and is looking at rates um, reducing by the end of the year. That is not what the Fed is saying. And you know if you take that view, you have ways to Well, the risk to your argument, the risk to your argument and your thesis is that inflation doesn't come down because sure. you're not going to be very happy getting a bond yielding 3-4% if inflation's running at 7%. So yeah. that's the main threat to your argument. Do you think that inflation is that sticky? I don't I don't I really have a view if it, if it's that sticky. I think this this quarter is just so dramatic in terms of what we thought we were going into the year expecting. I mean, we need more time to to process um, all the conflicting economic data, the confounding um, banking situation. So I think everyone needs more time, but I think there are still, you can't deny the opportunities in using yield in your portfolio this year to help combat any of it, you know, some of it. You need to, you need to really consider it before you just you know, Pass. go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Paul? <laughs> uh, look, we also had Jay Powell uh, this week reiterating his commitment to that 2% inflation target. That does seem a very long very way far off away. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's realistic? And if so, how long before we get there? Well, the thing is, is that even through all of last year, when um, we ignored what the Fed said, the Fed doubled down. And the Fed has just demonstrated conviction and vigilance against this fight on inflation. So um, realistic, if, if, if you know, some of the other confounding factors come, come to be with either financial stability or an economic downturn or tightening um, lending standards, like, 
it's realistic that the Fed's going to continue their fight. I mean, they they reiterated it yesterday, and and we you know many many were calling for a pause, many were calling for you know a lookout point to see what would be next. But they seem like that they're going to charge ahead, and that's their goal. And I think other central banks have also conveyed the same. So. You, you mentioned uh, we talked about sovereigns. Uh, we haven't talked about munis. Uh, you did also mention credit. Uh, for you, what's the sweet spot in credit? So we we really like um, people to consider high yield. And one of the sweet spots we see is in um, uh, we have a product that focuses on credit ratings. And there's a we have a product that only has uh, single B names in it. And so we, we really want people to think about you know some of the fundamentals that are in high yield right now, either in the credit rating side or even in in sectors, because there's a lot of resiliency in corporate balance sheets um, that would lend that some of these some of these high yield issuers have, have resiliency through this downturn and may actually be rising stars out of of high yield and maybe being upgraded to. Um, investment grade, but we would think the single B um, space is one of the sweet spots because of its lower duration related, you know, in, in relative to investment grade, and people should consider looking at different cuts of credit um, more closely, even in high yield. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices, Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.